This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome to On the Bench. I'm Chris. I am joined by Brendan and Zach. The big three come together to do this episode here on Monday. Uh, this is going to be kind of a quick and to the point type of day. So I'm going to go ahead and knock it out and thank all of our sponsors. We obviously appreciate everything they do for us, and we hope you do plenty for them. Sponsors are The Battle's End. Do you like good players? You should like The Battle's End. Turner Group, who brings us buyers to own. If you have real estate questions, reach out to Brendan. He can put you in contact with the Turner Group. They do a phenomenal job. Know a lot of people that know them, and they all speak very, very highly of them. They're also getting more and more into the Tallahassee market, as I understand it. Chattanooga whiskey. If you like the brown stuff and feeling a little warm and fuzzy during the cold months, a lot of good options with Chattanooga whiskey. Again, Brendan's kind of your expert on that. I don't know if that's a good thing. I don't know if and I like finally, football coach college dynasty, which can be found on Steam, not Stream. Zach is your expert on that. He has lost many man hours to playing way too much of that game. He's currently in his 83rd season with the mighty Tulane Green Wave. All right, let's get to it. Florida State played North Alabama on Saturday. I don't think anybody really truly cares about the opponent they played or the outcome of the game. FSU wins 58-13, slow start to get it going. But obviously the thing that overwhelmed the day on senior day was a really disappointing end to Jordan Travis's career at FSU. Gets injured on the field late in the first quarter. Um, We're going to dive right in on it. I'm sitting in the box right beside Brendan as that happens. Zach's at home watching the game, keeping up with us. So I'll start with you, Zach. The home view of that. What was the initial reaction when you're watching the CW network and you see that moment happen? Did you realize in the moment what had happened? Okay, so I'm not gonna lie. Um, I was on and off watching the game in the first quarter. Uh, was watching it like via my phone um, because I was I was at this like Thanksgiving get together um, with my girlfriend's family, and you know they they were not obviously watching TV. We we're spending time with family. And that was going on. So I start seeing people react to the Jordan injury on social media. And, you know, I tuned into the game right then. And it was just, I mean, devastating. Um, You could tell right away um, from how the play developed that it was not good. Um, I didn't see like a close up until a little bit after. But yeah, just... uh, I can't imagine, like, I, I do really want to hear your guys', you know, take on this being in the stadium for, you know, this going down. But I just immediately, you know, pit in my stomach, like, you know, it, it couldn't have happened on a worse night. Um, 
for, for Jordan. I mean, senior night, his last time in Doak, just super emotional. Um, and honestly, I was like, my girlfriend kind of came up to me. He's like, are you okay? I'm like, yes, I'm fine. Um, but I definitely was like shell shocked after that. I could not, could not believe um, that that had happened. Did the CW truly show it like repeatedly? Yes. Multiple. Uh, that multiple blows times. my mind that they did like that. five but times anyway. I think, in total. Well, yeah, like, I, I digress. Uh, on uh, that. Least, yeah, yeah, yeah. For a, a glimpse behind the curtain, like FSU Sports Info had to tell them to stop doing it. Yeah, like, I, I don't know if it's a written rule, but I feel like it's definitely an unwritten rule of TV of like catastrophic, horrible injuries. Like you either warn folks you're about to show it, or you show it once and you're done. Yeah, they didn't they play it. Showing it like, like a, they were showing it like coming back from halftime. So like that, I think that was the final straw. It was like okay, like that that's too much. Yeah. All right. So me and Brendan are nine stories up in Doak Campbell, home sideline in the press box, living our life through our binoculars as we love to do during games. I'm watching the O line on that play because I was just kind of focusing on how they were doing what they were doing. And Brendan's watching Jordan as he scrambles. Jordan scrambles 16 yards, gets to the seminal head, gets hit, goes down, looks a little awkward real quick. But Brendan immediately, I think, says to me in a whispered voice, I think he broke his leg. And uh, for myself, like, I have two immediate emotions. One is, well, that's god awful. Like, lower leg injuries bug me as someone who's had knee issues in their life. Makes me ultra uncomfortable. I don't enjoy seeing them. Honestly, I haven't actually seen Jordan's injury. I have not actually watched the breaking of the leg or whatever actually occurred because I don't have an interest in seeing it. It disgusts me. But obviously, I've seen the moment. I see him on the ground. I see him getting ear casted, carted off, going to the ambulance, ambulance leaving, so on and so forth. Um, so in the moment, first thought is, man, that's a horrendous way for that young man's career to end because of everything he's meant to the program, and we'll get more into that. But secondly, I go into work mode of, well, we, we got to write this. Brendan gets to plugging away on immediately writing it. CBS HQ is hitting me up about one of us doing a quick HQ live spot, discussing it live from the stadium. So, you know, ninth floor at Doe Campbell with 80,000 people, cell phone reception is not particularly great. So trying to navigate that was its own feat. Um you know, you're watching the sideline, seeing Trey Benson struggling with it as he did, as a young man who had a major knee injury, who is extremely close to Jordan Travis and cares insanely deeply about the football team he plays for and the people he plays with. That was really tough to see. And just the other emotions you see, Jameis Winston down towards the end zone on a knee with some of the other 2013 team members and friends of his, you know, he's noticeably emotional while wearing a 13 jersey. And, uh, you know, catching a glimpse of Jordan's family in the crowd, like just a whole lot going on. And it's super, you know, it's sad. The initial moment is just sad. And truthfully, I was a little angry because that's not how it's supposed to end. That's not the storybook. Um, <clears throat> so all of that goes down. We're going a million miles per hour. You know, Brett, Dane, well, Dane's actually not with us. He's doing stats. So, He's up in the box, but, you know, he comes and sees us during that break. But Brett's with us, Brendan, myself, Kev Little, Kevin Little from X's and Knowles is also up there with us. And obviously the whole press box experience. I think Brendan commented on a comment that Ira made in a moment along the lines of what was it? Oh, Jordan? Was that it? And I didn't catch that because, again, going a million miles per hour, trying to figure out what we're doing. So we're plugging away. But, like, it was surreal. Uh, I don't even know how long the delay happened. Probably was ballpark of like 10, 12 minutes. Yeah. Um, 
but it felt like 30 seconds. Um, watching the ambulance pull away, you know, at this point, we'll get more into who and what Jordan Travis has been for this program, what he's meant, all that. But yeah, the emotions of the moment, it, it was it was twofold, but it it wasn't enjoyable in the least. What about for you, Brendan? Uh, oh yeah, definitely not enjoyable. I I, I struggle because I think kind of similar mindset with you, Chris, like to to feel the emotions in that moment because your your mind turns like we're we're there to document stuff, you know. Um, and so was obviously like saw it through the binoculars, and I don't know what it was about like the like I don't know if I saw the actual break happen, but um, I just I I didn't normally play ends, and I'll take. Uh, eyes off the binox, talk to you guys, uh, look into the stats or whatever. And I just kept looking and um, obviously saw what was a very unnatural way for, for the foot to be pointed. Um, and that was obviously, I didn't want to say it out loud too luck and be wrong on that or even being right. Like there's no upside on it. Right. And, and so I did whisper it to you, Chris, but like you saw it and you kind of knew and it, it seemed like a, it seemed like a bad dream because it just didn't make sense for it to look like that and to happen in that game. And at that, and a day that's supposed to commemorate what Jordan Travis and all the seniors have been to build this program up back from the ashes to a state of, of pride uh, and Jordan to be the ambassador, right. That, he, that he's been, it, it's, it didn't make sense. Um, and we kind of turned to work mode. Uh, and I didn't feel it. Like it didn't hit me until after I got home and wrote about it. And obviously we had press conference and again, we're trying to plug away and, and you're understanding the emotions that are, that are happening around the team. And um, like, I felt queasy. Um, I felt unsettled. I had a very similar injury to Jordan in high school. And so having some like uh, connecting points there, like bringing that back up for me, but like, again, you keep pushing through and really like what, what, where I felt like the emotions finally hit me and it settled was after writing. It was like two o'clock in the morning, just going through the Twitter timeline and seeing what was out there, seeing there's updates on Jordan, any, anything. And there was a clip that, that Logan over at an old game day posted of the touchdown Lawrence toe Philly had in, in the late first half. And the 2013 team was all in the corner of the end zone, got even ready to be commemorated. And they all went and they celebrated with, with Lawrence toe Philly. And that, gesture like the way that they celebrated you could tell it was my first year here was covering this team in 2013 I was in early 20s and those guys were all you know, early 20s teens and to see them now in their 30s and a lot of them fathers and um for for them to try to normalize that as much as possible because Chris I mean we're there in the stadium I will not forget it for 80,000 people to be quiet all at once as they kind of realize what's happening, that just, that doesn't leave you because it's so unnatural. It's such an unnatural uh, energy and vibrancy to, to switch that quickly. Uh, it's alarming. So uh, that was really when I felt the emotion of it and and was to kind of see, and I don't know why specifically that that touched me in the way it did, but um, yeah, man, it was, it was rough. It was rough to see uh, the FSU fan base, you know, grieving in a sense because yeah Jordan's obviously still with us and uh, very encouraging news like on, on a procedure that he had and that's I think the most information we'll probably get into on it unless the family wants to issue a statement or anything like that but it, it sounds encouraging all things considered um, but you didn't get 
the storybook ending, like you said, Chris, you didn't get for it to see it go out on its own terms, whether it was a win, a loss in the playoffs, anything like that. It didn't end in the way that we thought it would and the way he deserved for it to and, and the way this fan base, like loving him, wanted it to. And I think that's something that like in the days after that you kind of grapple with is the how quickly and suddenly something changed. It doesn't feel fair. On the Toe Philly moment, I thought it was awesome. It's, it's a 2013 team understanding they're all in the same brotherhood. They're all playing the same game. Felt like they were lifting them up. Uh, Jameis Winston's honored at the end of that first quarter, you know, a few minutes after Jordan has just left in that ambulance. And it was sort of somber. And, like, you know, for a guy with the amount of charisma and did so many great things for FSU as Jameis Winston did, I thought it was handled well. And I thought his interview afterwards was magnificent. But, like, it, it was disappointing that that moment came so soon after what just had happened. And I think Jameis would probably tell you the same thing. Um, yeah, it was a somber mood. It was tough to watch. But like, I thought a lot of people went out of their way to try to lift everybody up and work really hard. at. And, you know, quarterback change happens, Tate gets thrown. And we all knew Tate was going to play in that game. Obviously not in those circumstances. The running backs stepped up, really helped out a lot with the offense, uh, took the load, you know, ran the ball well. Defense settled in after some eye candy, got them early in that game and played really well after two drives where they allowed points. And special teams gives you the magnificent moment at the end of the game. And there was almost a celebration in that moment at the end of the game. And I think that was needed for that team. Yeah. Um, you know, just all in all, it, it was a tough day. Like, you know, listening to Coach Norvell post game, Mike Norvell speak on Jordan, and he didn't want to get too specific, and players certainly didn't. Multiple players say it. In fact, they didn't want to continue to talk about it, which is fully understandable. But I thought Mike's comments just kind of about what that kid's meant and his journey with him was pretty excellent. You can go watch the video. Mike gets a little choked up in it. But, yeah, I think it speaks to Jordan Travis. So, you know, the day goes away. I thought your column was phenomenal that evening. You know, I thought we did a very good job in – reality of the last 24 hours of covering Jordan's injury and what it means for program and celebrating him to a degree. I thought we did a good job of being tactful in that and also on point and making good points and also kind of sharing that we appreciate that kid. Yeah. Um, I think it was important to do to, to yeah, share that and we appreciate so what he's That done. takes me to the next thing. You wrote, thank you, Jordan, yesterday, which was sort of about that UNC game and that being the moment where you realize, oh man, like, the dude's a dude special and uh yeah and yeah so you ask people to share their moments and it's amazing there's a ton of them i talked about jordan and watching him off the field interact with kids it's great he's phenomenal at it for a guy whose time is so demanded upon he always took time to do that should be appreciated so zach again going to you what's your favorite jordan travis moment and to you just what kind of defines him as a person a player and what he's meant to the program yeah i mean i think for me my Mine immediately goes to fourth and 14, just because of what it meant for the program. You beat a rival for the first time in, I think it was three or four years against Miami. Um, it's just such a memorable play. And FSU that season just couldn't really get go going in the passing game that, that much. And it kind of, I think, foreshadowed what the next two years would become under Mike Norvell and, and Jordan Travis in that explosive offense. Um, and just... I mean, he, he makes that play to Andrew Parchment and then runs it in the end zone to win that game in, in near impossible fashion, it seems. So um, that that's where my mind immediately goes for, for a best play. But I think the best way to describe Jordan Travis is resilient. 
we've seen him, you know, tack on some injuries over the years because um, he puts his body on the line to try and give his team the best chance at winning a football game. And, you know, we've talked about in past seasons, like how, you know, he maybe needs to limit that some. It seemed like he did for, you know, a huge portion of this season. And, you know, every time there would be an injury come up, like, you know, the Louisville game last year, um, it seemed like that was a serious injury. It kept him out of the entire second half of that game. Tate obviously comes in and, and wins the game for Florida State. But Jordan's starting the, the week after against Boston College and plays the, you know, until they run Boston College out of the building. So, yeah, I mean, he's just a resilient human being, a resilient football player, and someone that I think a lot of people can look up to. Um, and and I think it's, you know, kind of reflective on not just, you know, him on the gridiron, but, but also off of it. I'm going to share mine real quick. And then, Brandon, I'm going to give you the floor because you kind of carried the flag for the kid over the last several years and believed in him before most. Um, for me, it's Florida game last year just as an entirety of the game. Like, something I love about Jordan Travis is I think he hates Florida and Miami as much as any fan out there. But he's so athletic and capable of being a good football player that he can actually go do something about it. And he turned in some of his best career performances in those games. And, you know, Florida two years ago was disappointed because he gets banged up in that game and knocked down and isn't able to truly put it all on display. But last year's Florida game was awesome and dope with him. And what he did, the Houdini Act, as we like to call it, uh, it kind of defined him. And, you know, I remember the BC game when he first got those carries, and you're like, man, he is athletic. And then watching him develop as a passer after knowing what he was when he first stepped on campus as a passer, that was fun to watch. And then just seeing him grow, confidence, uh, belief in himself, belief in the team. And as he grew, the team grew. And, you know, that that's why FSU is in the position they're now in. They followed the exact same path as 13, and 13 led them there. And, yeah, I, I just – I think it's pretty awesome to have had the opportunity to watch that occur. You know, it's funny. I don't think you appreciate it as much in the moment as when the moment ends. But, like, the OU game last year, him and Johnny Wilson masterful. You know, it's a shootout, and they had to do what they had to do to win, and they did it. Um, there's plenty of examples. But I hand it off to you, Brendan, because, you know, he's your dude. I think the point you made, Chris, about the program ascending with Jordan um, is really important. Like he um, he personifies. We talked about like how he personifies like the development and the growth that that has happened under Mike Norvell in this program. But like culturally, maturity. Like you saw a young man struggle with confidence so severely to the point where he didn't know if he could play football. Uh, at this level, you know, if you play quarterback at this level, I don't know if I've shared this before, but there was a moment in that Jacksonville state game where he got booed um, and people that's documented. And I think it was just more frustration of the swipping, the swatching, flipping back of quarterbacks. Easy for me to say. Um, but he had told someone on the sideline that game that I don't know if I can play quarterback here. And this was after bouts of confidence already where he talked about maybe quitting beforehand. And so that was something that he continued to struggle with. And, and to see him break through and get to where he eventually got, we know where he, where he gets right. And, and it is an amazing Testament to like Zach point resiliency and uh, for having a strong culture around him and people who believed in him and loved him up and for him to be able to absorb that. And it, it is amazing, but 
where you go from that Jacksonville State game and one of his lowest moments as someone who like loves Florida State, grew up loving Florida State, watching his brother play baseball, like to have that. And then a few weeks later, go up to Chapel Hill and be the starter against a top 10 team and to watch him run out on the field with the smile on his face. And the smile did not leave his face that entire game. And he made magic happen in, in that contest, like with his legs, uh, with his arm, you started to see, oh, like there's a capable passer here. It was, it was raw, but there was something there. And that was the moment where I started to believe like, yeah, he, he's going to give you a chance to win a lot of football games. And, um, and that's what ended up happening. I mean, FSU was the last two seasons, 21 wins with him as a starting quarterback. Um, yeah, he has 28 wins as a starting quarterback, which is second most in FSU history. And he just kept getting better. And, again, that's where you feel cheated that you don't get to see the end of it, whatever the end was going to be. You didn't see it play out on that timeline. And um, the amount of admiration I have for him as a person, just just following his story and being able to tell it to some extent the last few years and – It's incredible. It's incredible to see someone persevere through self-doubt, through anxiety, through just just the simple wondering if you can if you're good enough. Like how often do we all have that thought throughout the course of of a week or uh, whatever your lifetime? Like how often are you have self-doubt? And for him to stare at like that directly in the face and for that to be like this to be his dream place to be. And to wonder if he can do it and if he's deserving of it and if he has the ability. And for the answer to be a resounding yes after wondering those things, like that's amazing. And uh, I feel for him and his family and the disappointment that they have, you know, here in the days after his injury, I feel for the fan base. Uh, I came home from, from the game on Saturday, uh, went into my living room uh, or sorry, went to the kitchen where we have our, our dining room table area uh, and, sat down, wrote, went into the living room the next morning, sat down and saw like a box of tissues out. My wife was crying because she was just so upset at this loss of like this magical entity that that Jordan brought to the field. And I think a lot of people felt, we've seen people on the board share similar stories, right? Um, where, where they just had this level of disbelief or anger or sadness or whatever grieving process you have for it to, to see it end that way. Um, but you know, I, I think it's been important to, for us to talk about like the really cool times too, because he, he gave us a ton and um, I'm grateful to him for, for those memories. He finishes his career here winning 17 straight games. I think that says a ton, wow. 10,000 career plus total yards offensively, which puts him at the 11th in the ACC all time. Hell of a lot of good players have played in this league. You know, FSU has got three Heisman winning quarterbacks. He's right there with them. You know, he might not be Wincy, he might not be Winky, he might not be Ward, but he's in the same conversation. He He's hanging out in the same room. And I think all three of those guys immensely respect him. It, it I has know Winston does. I know Ward does for a fact, and I presume Chris does as well. He, he's as important as they are too, Chris, right? Because oh, like, yeah. what, what they, you, they, where they this program was. They elevate the program to different heights right. by winning it all. Jordan has positioned the FSU to be in that conversation, but he also pulled them out of their lowest point. Yes. In any of our collective lifetimes. That's a hell of a thing. Yeah. Um, so last point before we move on, talk about a little other stuff. And obviously, I'm sure we'll talk about Jordan plenty more down the stretch here as we look back on the season. 
awesome thing to me how many dudes were in that hospital room. Yeah. So brotherhood. It is yeah. it's real for them. And they showed like he, I think he Jordan posted a video it was like Jared Verse, Maurice Smith, Bless, I mean uh Jeremiah Byers, mm-hmm. Hayden Bethune. There were a number of guys. I'm probably missing yeah. some. I'm sure they were breaking hours. They were way yeah. overcrowding a room, breaking fire codes. Brotherhood. <laughs> I mean, it's cool. Like it's well, a like, real thing. We we know we covered a program when the culture here stunk. Yeah. And it is so the opposite direction. And he's a major reason why. Remember he, when there was a quarterback that literally got dismissed from the program after strike and strike? I mean, yeah. What a chance. Yeah. And the, the catalyst, like Jordan, that Jordan is the catalyst for that, right? And that's again yeah. why we're, we're, we feel so much admiration for He's him. He's the like, engine of the car, and that's like, in so many ways. Zach mentions Jeremiah Byers. He's been here for nine months. You know what I mean? Like, there are people who've been here since with day one. Like, Murray Smith is there with, with Jordan, has known him for years. People have known him for nine months. And and the impact that he has, I think it speaks to who he is as a person. Last thing I I thought of too is like in the in the off season, this past off season, we had people telling us like Jordan's becoming kind of like a, a local superstar, right? Like he can't go places without people asking for autographs. Remember Zach Dane and I went to Chick Fil A for for lunch in between like a camp day, and the quarterbacks, you know, the entire quarterback room went there, and we saw them, said hi real quick, and. Uh, when we're leaving, I saw people going up to Jordan for for pictures and autographs. And I think you were one, actually, right? <laughs> <laughs> pull, pull the shirt down. Sign right here. I'm going to get tattooed. <laughs> by every account, Jordan stopped constantly. Like any, any, and we saw that even like going into uh, practice uh, like a couple weeks ago. And the entire quarterback room waited for Jordan too, to go, so they could all go on the field together. And um, yeah. It's really cool, really amazing. He's a, he's a quality human raised by good people with a phenomenal older brother who's played a huge role in all of this for him. So, all right. So, quarterback group, speaking of which, obviously, Jordan's sideline. So, Tate Rotomaker steps in. He goes, uh, what was it? 13, 13 completions, which was a career high, 217 passing yards, career high, two passing touchdowns, I believe, on back to back plays, if I recall correctly, uh, which equaled a career high for him. All in all, I thought Tate handled the moment well. Obviously, emotions raging, and you know you're you're thrown into it. even though you're fully expecting to play on the day, not in that manner. Not like and that. and I thought he came out and handled it well. He got points on that drive when he came in. They continued, and then they rolled off what 45 straight points with him at quarterback. So in 58 total, but 45 in his time in the game. Brock Glenn gets to take his second game action of the season there late in the game. It's a great throw to Vandravius Jacobs down the slot. Also rushes for what an eleven yard touchdown run. I believe it was there late. And then after what was the celebration, Zach? Touchdown. Can you can you do it for it? He he messed it up. He did not do it right. Um, I don't think I he was doing the Tate though, right? I mean, that's what that was, right? That's like the Tate TikTok video, isn't that what Tate's uh, doing in the TikTok video? That's what I took it to be from the box. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I'm super white. So old men talking about it. cool stuff. It's I, like I a own touchdown celebration, the squabble. I'm pretty sure that's what he was trying to do because um, Jordan okay. does that sometimes when he scores, um, but he did not do it, execute it well. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So we're not going to get too much into Florida on this one. We will later in the week, and we'll give a ton of love to our sponsors later in the week when we do that. But real quick, future at quarterback, I think we all believe it's Tate short-term, without a shadow of doubt, that they're handing the reins to him. I think it's also clear that they believe Brock is the next guy after him, and they are investing in Brock. Um, With Tate, all in all, I I was comfortable with what he did in the game. I think going forward, you just have to model the game after him. He's a guy who can sling it, so go out there and sling that thing. But make good decisions. Don't put yourself in a big negative situation. Pocket presence isn't the greatest. It's not the worst. It's somewhere well in between those two extremes. But, you know, he had the first play where he kind of sidestepped and went, which was an excellent example of good version. And there were others where it was a little bit backspinning and setting yourself out for bigger losses. Those are the things you want to get away from. You want to stay away from. You don't want the big negatives. All in all, I think FSU can be plenty good with Tate. I think the O-line's obviously got to, you know, take the reins and understand that a lot more is put upon their shoulders because the guy back there is very different than the last guy. Even though Tate is plenty athletic, he's not as uh, quick in just making people miss like Jordan's capable of doing. It's different. Um, running back room, I mentioned it earlier. I thought they did a phenomenal job of stepping up in the moment, especially with Trey Benson going to the sideline, which I think was probably more emotionally based than anything because, again, what happened with Jordan very much impacted Trey. I think it was Yak Johnson, running backs coach, and Mike Norvell and company all realizing we got a stable of backs, let's go use them. And Keziah Holmes, two touchdowns, one receiving, one rushing. Uh, Lawrence Tofili, a big run in there. C.J. Campbell busting off that 70-yarder and running like a man on fire, which was fun as hell to watch for another guy who had a pretty serious injury in his career. So – yeah, you know, that room is capable. They got plenty of talent there. FSU has a great assembly of talent. For Tate, it's about go out there and use those guys. You know, he's got the relationship with Jaheim Bell that dates back to high school. He's built a bond with Johnny Wilson as they worked together a great deal early last year during preseason and stuff. And that was apparent in the Louisville game when Tate came in last season for Jordan. So can FSU still be a very good football team and a football team capable of beating anybody in front of them with Tate? I think they can. I just think the room, the margin for error is less. And I think it's experience. I think it's the athleticism, the Houdini that Jordan Travis brought to the position. But let's not forget, FSU's defense is also capable. Hasn't allowed 30 or more to an opponent all year. And I know 30 is kind of a high benchmark. But in general, that defense has been very, very good. Excellent in second halves. Very good against the pass in the back half of the season. Those things have to continue. I think this team's a resilient bunch and has good leadership and will rally around what happened with Jordan Travis and who they are and what they are and the fact they're going to get a little, if you want to use the word disrespect from a ranking standpoint of getting slotted down probably to five in the playoff rankings this week, you know, with the AP poll also already doing that. I think all that stuff will fuel the fire a little bit. I think they're going to be focused on Florida. They're going to be focused on Louisville. And if they do what they need to do in those two, you know, I still think they're going to be in that final four at the end of the day. And I think they will, you know, 
build to try to win a one-off. And that's what it is at the end of the day. And that's what it was always going to be for them. They are probably not as good or talented as three of the four teams that potentially will be in the playoffs with them. You know, I think they're as good, if not better, than both of those Pac-12 teams. But I think Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State all can be argued that they're better assemblies of talent rosters overall. Even though I think FSU would contend very well with both of those Big Ten programs, personally. Yeah, that's where they are. So don't want to ramble too much. We'll get right back to the point. Quarterback thoughts going forward. What did you take away from watching Tate in person, Brendan? And Zach, what's your general thoughts on what that position will be like over the next couple weeks? I'll start with you, Brendan. Okay. Uh, watching Tate, I, I feel similarly to you, Chris, where there are some really good moments. Uh, a few, we know this about Tate, like his A ball, like is like chef kiss, wow, like amazing, like NFL level throws that he can make. Best arm on the team. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of just like velocity and able to get it, like uh, there was a one throw to his left, the sideline. I think it was like a comeback pattern. We had to put it nice and low. When he was really working close. to the visitor sideline, and he came across the field with it. No, he did that too. No, it was to the home sideline at one point, um, and it was nice and low. There was multiple like big time. Talking throws. to Tron's throw, the one he completed, yeah. Tron. Yeah. Um, and I'm looking at the stat line now, and like, okay, yep, 13 of 23 doesn't feel inherently great. Uh, there's but a few there drops a, in there. There was a, at least you know two drops that that were counted by the stat crew, and, and maybe a couple more. But like, there was a stretch of like five incompletions with two drops in there. Mike Norvell said after the game, like they have to do things to help Tate out more, and that's going to be super important these next two weeks. Florida, mind you, and I will talk about later. They're also playing with their backup quarterback. Graham Mertz uh, suffered a shoulder injury, and like just a, a badass run. Like credit to him. Like he. He uh, he he laid it all on the line and like just just crazy the amount of like poor like injury luck that the state of Florida quarterbacks have have had this season all went down picking up first downs for their team running the football in key moments even including Emory Williams last week. Um, football is a, I wrote about it. It is a it is a cruel cruel game and uh, injuries are going to happen. But but you have to be ready for who your backup has to be ready for that moment. And I thought Tate was. That first drive for him to kind of stabilize was great. Uh, then you kind of felt like maybe he was a little antsy forcing things. I think Mike Norvell was unhappy after that second or third drive he was in. And then he settled things down. And that's what we monitor moving forward is, right, is he able to play within himself to channel those A-plus throws uh, and, and to just be a calm, steady presence. And can people around him elevate it? But like Kev has a really, Kev Little had a really good thread on the Null 24 7 message board, like breaking down some of uh, some of Tate's throws and his performance. And like yeah, there is in there a a really high level college quarterback um, that, that exists, someone who's capable of making some big time throws and has enough athleticism, especially once he gets going as a runner to like really make you pay. So I, I thought it was a, a solid performance. There was frustration in some points in the middle of the game, but like as he settled in, managed the offense, made the right reads, uh, ended up getting it done. So obviously it's going to be a, a level up in competition. These next couple of weeks, stakes are going to be really high. You have to see how he handles that. It's all throughout to Zach. Like what do we see next at quarterback? Uh, what are you looking for? What are you trying to glean from these next few, few weeks from tape? Yeah, I guess just, an improvement in pocket awareness. Um, I think, you know, Kevin's wrote, a, you know, a good amount on that about on the site, just about how it's kind of overblown some of the the pocket awareness stuff from Tate. And I mean, we're all obviously going to reference that one play where he gets, you know, the, the ball comes out, the strip sack, um, and luckily they recover it. But I think against Florida, you know, in that environment, 
with a much better D-line, it's going to be tough to, you know, just stand in the pocket and feel ultra comfortable. I don't think UFC lines like elite. They're definitely good. And it's an SEC front. They're big bodies and they're going to be able to create pressure at multiple points in the game. I think someone that, used physically capable, which I thought was a very good description. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, that's ultimately going to tell the story of, of how Florida State navigates this game. Are they going to, is take going to be able to handle that pressure of, you know, just being in that night environment in the swamp, as well as having, you know, a, some physically capable defensive linemen coming after him. Um, I'm really, really interested to see kind of what Mike Norvell does this week, what the offensive staff does this week to try and scheme things open and make it much easier on Tate to move the ball effectively, not having to sit in the pocket for four or five seconds um, to get the ball downfield. I think with, the play of the offensive line, which I think notably in that game was was not amazing. Um, you know, there are specific performances we can get into, but not try, not going to call anyone out. Just you know that group needs to play better um, if they want to win their next two games. It just has to happen, especially in the running game. I mean, um, FSU's gonna. I mean, we'll, we'll get into more about UF yeah. preview for Tate specifically. Um, I, you know, he needs he needs help around him. Other guys need to step up at multiple other positions, and he's going to need to be able to handle the pressure well, which I think we saw glimpses of him doing that against North Alabama, but then again, it's North Alabama. So I'm not, not so sure that we can trust that performance as a litmus test to what he's going to do against an SEC opponent next this coming weekend. We also, if I can make one quick point, Chris, is – We've talked about this already on the on the podcast and um, written about it. And obviously not the way you want to get this barometer. You don't want to get to it at this point. But like whether Tate is a guy that you can build your offense around next season. I think we we know that Brockland has a really good chance in the next few years. And you're excited about Luke Romanock. But for 2024, like what is what is Tate Rodemaker going to to bring to the offense? And are you capable of it? And I think we get a better idea of it these next few weeks. I think you'll, you'll kind of tell where he's at from a maturity standpoint of, of handling, you know, a big game atmosphere and being able to do that week after week as the, the quarterback and not to be the one who goes into a game uh, doing that. And so we, we get that now and um, it'll be instructive. It's obviously not the way that we, we want to get this, these data points. Right. But, but that is something that we'll, we'll get to see as we, you know, obviously we're focused on this season, but like, uh, constantly my brain's always going to long-term and big picture stuff. And, and so that is an element to, to watch and to understand as well. So tying in Brendan and Zach's comments here on the O-line, obviously most Smith got banged up Darius Washington, who was already filling in at one spot slides in the center. That group's got to get healthy, but they also do need to play better. And speaking of the O-line pressure, Tate at quarterback, uh, Brendan shared the PFF numbers and obviously they're limited because he only has so many reps this year. He has 33 pass backs. Uh, dropbacks for passes, but he's 94.1 grade when he's kept clean. So he is a guy that like when he's allowed to be completely comfortable, probably three seconds plus in that pocket to let it rip, he's ultra successful. The numbers are drastically worse when he's not kept clean. And that's a big question. Some of that though also comes with, you know, every experience for him in his career to this point outside of one is being plugged into a game. And in two of those right. situations, 
this past week in Louisville last year. It's being plugged in after an injury to Jordan Travis. So, like, that's very different with what you're doing. You're coming in with a clean sheet on Saturday. You're starting the game plan is built around you and the offense and the players that you're assembled with in that group and go and do it. And it will be interesting to see how that is different for him. Because I think that I'm, I'm – I'm presuming as someone who never played quarterback at the D1 level, that is probably a very different feeling when you walk into a game knowing wholeheartedly what you're going out to execute and try to do versus, oh, man, you got to get out there and we just got to try to score a point because we're down a couple touchdowns or Louisville's running away with this game, stuff like that. So that would be interesting to observe. Mm-hmm. Um, want to get us out of here pretty quick. Um, didn't want to hold you guys up too long, but a couple recruiting things. So I'm going to hand it off to Zach. One, you dropped a crystal ball on who? Kai Bates. He's Ooh. a NY. top 100 DB out of Orlando Edgewater. I view Florida State as the front runner in his recruitment. I think it's FSU versus Tennessee. He decommitted from LSU last week after visiting FSU for the Miami game. And since then, FSU has been trending. I was working to see kind of where he would end up this past weekend for a visit. He was considering Florida State, considering Tennessee for a possible trip. He ends up staying home and going to the Classic, which is the FAMU versus Bethune-Cookman game at Camping World Stadium. So he attends that game. Um, you know, I, coming out of it, out of the weekend, I think that's a positive sign for Florida State that he did not make it up to Neyland Stadium and you know to watch Tennessee. Not that that would have been a great experience anyway because they got blown out by Georgia. <laughs> But, but that was a win for Florida State for him to stay home because you got the absolutely. visit the week before, right? Absolutely, yeah. And uh, – you know, it, it, there's only one possible, you know, weekend this weekend coming up for, you know, guys to visit anywhere. Not sure what if Tennessee has a home game or whatever, but, um, you know, I, coming out of this weekend, I, I do view FSU as the front runner. And, you know, we'll see kind of what happens uh, regarding the timeline. Um, one other thing I'll mention is this past weekend was pretty light from a recruiting standpoint. Um, and that was always sort of the plan. Jason Zandamella, to our knowledge, did not show up. I did not see him. I saw the Clearwater Academy International group, did not see him with that group. I think probably the best player that showed up that's not already committed to FSU is 2025 four-star linebacker, Zay Rainey Seal. It's uh, Zadrius is actually his first name, but he goes by Zay. He is from Seattle, Washington. He is a young man that camped here in June. He did a small group camp with a few guys from the Washington area and a group from Tampa that came in kind of in between camp sessions. He was awesome. Uh, Mike Norvell and Randy Shannon, like watching him go through the athletic testing portion of it, it like you could see it. It was like, you know, um, certain sayings I'm not going to use because we've done a real good job keeping this podcast clean. But they very quickly beamed over to him because they realized he was pretty athletically special. And then everything else they put him through, they really liked. He got offered that day. He loved meeting with Mike Norvell that day back in June. So when I asked him, why did you make the 3,000-mile trek from one corner of the country to the other to watch FSU play North Alabama, an FCS opponent who's not very good, he's like largely because of the coaches. Mike Norvell and Randy Shannon, he's built a good relationship with him. He really likes Norvell's messaging and just how he is, and it stands out for him. He wants to get back for a spring practice to see how they practice. Yeah, I'm never going to bet on FSU winning a kid that has to take that long of a plane ride. But he does seem like a kid who's legitimately very interested. And for the fact that he came back for the UNA game, I think it speaks to that too. Yeah. Um, all I, in all, go ahead, Zach. No, I was going to say, he was originally scheduled to be at the Miami game, but I guess he couldn't yes. make it, so he, he rescheduled. Yeah, it was a travel issue for him, apparently. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, not a big recruiting weekend. I know uh, 
I'll address this now. Like I know there was a lot of buzz surrounding five-star wide receiver Jeremiah Smith, the Ohio State commit, Florida State last week. You know, we played into that some. I do I I will say this. Like I know Brendan put out an article um kind of gauging flip targets and the percent chance Florida State had to flip those targets. And I'm in the same boat as Brendan, 51% uh towards Florida State with Jeremiah Smith right now you know I don't think we need to get into timelines um or anything like that but I do think FSU has a better chance than not to flip Jeremiah Smith from Ohio State um and I think that's kind of the first time we've I mean I I said on the last podcast that I you know I had moved from possible to probable I'm still in the same boat coming out of this weekend you know still a lot of variables um, going on with that recruitment. Ohio State's playing defense. You got Miami offering his high school quarterback to try and, you know, make a move there, I think, um, is what that move was about. We'll see if that pays off for them. But, yeah, this is a recruitment I think we should continue to track closely. Um, we'll kind of see how it unfolds and shakes out over the next few weeks. We do know that he has an OV schedule to Florida State on the December 8th weekend. I know we he had originally said he thought it was the week before signing day, but I believe it'll be the 8th because if Shamad wins out, which they're you know expecting to do in the playoffs, that's his high school team. They'll be in Tallahassee for the state championship game that weekend. So a lot of those guys that will be there will likely just, you know, go Stay. from the final game to being on that official visit weekend. And I think I mean, hell, that's move, move, them, move them in that weekend if you have to. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, don't let them leave Tallahassee. Hey guys, buy our Sonone real quick. You ready? Oh, brought to you by the Turner Group. The Turner Group. Uh, Becky, uh, buy our Sonone. Nothing says authentic like offering a quarterback in late November. Clearly interested in that player. Who's in your backyard? Who, yeah, who you've gotten ample opportunity. To see. I, I'm going to Sonone that. I don't think it's super, I think it don't think it's a super genuine premise. Brendan made it 43 minutes without getting into the Miami <laughs> show, but I mean, he even said something nice about Miami earlier in this podcast. Needling. I did. Oh, I, I I liked Emory Williams as a recruit, and that was, uh, that sucked. Yeah. 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 All right, guys. Anything else? Hay in the barn? I like, uh, we had a, a poignant thoughtful podcast and I derailed it at the end. So back on it's brand. I did have a nice woman come up to me this weekend. So she loves the the podcast. Uh, she did wish I had less poop jokes or talk during it. So we made it also 43 minutes without poop talk. So just Chris, wrap it up before he, uh, yeah, yeah, good point. All right. So one more time, thanks to our sponsors, Battles End, Turner Group, who brings us buyers and own and Becky Chattanooga whiskey and football coach college dynasty, which can be found on steam, not stream, not stream. We will be back later this week. We will talk plenty about Florida. Uh, real quick on Florida, Zach brought up capable defense, but defense has also been kind of, yeah, beat the hell by LSU and Mizzou the last two weeks. They're 91 in the country in total defense, and they're allowing almost 28 points a game. Just keep those things in mind as you, you move on from this past weekend, the disappointment of what happened with Jordan Travis, but also celebrate the good moments. Remember that at the end with him. And you look forward to this weekend's rivalry and hopefully Tate becoming Tate the Great. 